666. Traffic is clear ahead from here to the afterlife, but it's hell outside. For the next hour, you're on nightmare time. So let's give a grave welcome to our hosts, John and Kim. Hello again, fiends, and welcome to Nightmare on Film Street. I'm Kim. I'm John. And this week, we are talking The Clash of the Titans. We're talking about Freddy versus Jason. Versus. Versus (laughs) AVP, Alien versus Predator. I'm very excited about this episode since we wrote it on the board last year. It's just a conundrum of versuses, and I am... So ready. It honest the two of them slammed together sounds like a dream movie. Freddy versus Jason versus Alien versus Predator. Like I want that Tag as team. one movie. Yeah, and then they gotta work together. It's WrestleMania 2027. Cage match, cage match, I don't cage know, match. I don't know why I didn't go further into the future. <laughs> <laughs> Seven years from now. We've harnessed <laughs> monsters for pay-per-view. <laughs> I'd buy a ticket. Thursday night, cause Sunday was taken. Thursday, Thursday, Thursday. Afternoon. It's prime time, bitch. For lunch. (laughs) For lunch. Aliens exist and they're fighting. (laughs) What's the more surprising part? (laughs) Oh, boy. All right. Well, before we get into that, Kim, got to ask you one important question. What's keeping you creepy this week? Super exciting. Uh, Halloween is done, so we've had time to check out a bunch of... Oh, sorry. Halloween, <laughs> I was, this I, season. No idea where you were going with that. I was I was just going to say that we've had a lot of time to watch horror movies. Oh, also, yeah. like quarantine. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but our numbers are back up. So we're back to being hermits. We're never leaving the house again. Nope. Exciting vac- vaccine news on the horizon. Woo! Shout out to vaccines. I literally just sent an email to our local movie theater asking if I could rent it out for Christmas Day to go see a fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we've just been hibernating. It's getting really cold here. It snowed yesterday. Not cool. Nope. So we've been watching movies. Yeah, this is this is one of my favorite times of the year because I also get to catch up on all of the movies that we haven't had a chance to see personally before putting together our top 10 of the year. So exciting. What will it be this year? Nobody went to a movie theater. Right. Um, <laughs> but the one movie that I've been really looking forward to checking out, despite the, the weirdest title of the year, like, wait, okay, like, let me just backtrack this a little bit. Like, earlier in the year, email came in. Hey, we've got a new movie coming out. Would you like to review it? It's called Uncle Peckerhead. <laughs> and, you know, normally that's the kind of title that I'd be like, I don't know, maybe not. But I watched the trailer, looked great. Our reviewer loved it, and we just hadn't had a chance to watch it until now, and I'm happy to say it's a fucking blast. It was so fun. Yeah, and also way more lighthearted than you would expect. It was so sweet. Actually, you know what I would pair it with? I don't know if we talked about this in a previous What's Keeping Us Creepy segment, but Mandible. Okay, we have not talked about Mandibles. Would you like to explain to people what Mandibles is? Yeah, so it's a movie about, like, a pet fly, but also very absurd. It's from Quentin Dupuis, the same guy that brought you Rubber, the (laughs) evil killer tire movie. Yep. (laughs) And, yeah, it's about a giant fly, and it's actually very, very sweet. I think Uncle Peckerhead would be a great double pairing. 
it's almost like a polar opposite of a movie like Green Room. Like, Green Room, so bleak, so dark, so depressing. Uncle Peckerhead, similar band, but Sweet. very funny. <laughs> Full of love. <laughs> yeah. If you've ever spent five bucks to go see a bunch of shitty punk bands in the corner of a pizza shop or in the basement of a pita shop. True story. <laughs> True stories. Happened once. <laughs> um, then I think you're really going to enjoy it. It's, it's honestly just a real fun movie about these down-on-their-luck punks who... Gain a roadie. <laughs> who gain a roadie who turns into a monster at night to eat a bunch of people. <laughs> but he's real nice. He's real sweet. And he's a real nice guy. He's he, just really rooting for them. He just happens to be called Uncle Peckerhead. <laughs> and he happens to eat a bunch of metalheads when they show up and start causing a ruckus. It's from Epic Pictures, the releasing arm of Dread Central. Uh, highly recommend checking it out before you put together your top 10 of 2020. It was a delight. Yeah, and then in terms of like just fun old classic discoveries we recently watched night of the comet for the first time john and i yeah neither of us had seen it which is appalling it's a christmas movie which had me super stoked there was like movie theater stuff i was just very into it i was also fashion lots of fashion oh man i wish there were more montages of them trying on clothes so much fashion especially kelly maroney like her you know i love her (laughs) i'm not the first person to say that her outfits in the movie are incredible in fact there's an article on the website specifically about all of her great outfits nofspodcast.com just look up final girl fashion it's a super great column from emily gagne um I was mostly surprised that they did not spend 100% of the movie in that mall. I was surprised they didn't spend 100% of that movie in the first movie theater, second radio station. That's my plan now. From now on, if I wake up and the entire world has turned to dust except me and a few friends, hopefully you, I'm just going to, me and you. I'll I'll be dust. I'm going. (laughs) Let's be real. (laughs) I'm going to be dust. I choose dust. (laughs) Oh, so uh, I'm, I'm definitely heading to a radio station. One, because it seems like the smartest way to get the attention of other survivors. And two, you get to just fucking play music all day. That sounds great. Also, like, neon lighting. Looks good on everyone. That S-shaped couch? I'd sleep on that every night. <laughs> there's only there's only been one suicide on it, so you're fine. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Mostly good. Um, we also checked out The Birds. It, uh, classic, classic Hitchcock, you know. Evil Birds, Tippi Hedren, phone booth. Yeah. I feel like I've rewatched this movie, The Birds. I feel like I rewatch it every year every you're always down to watch the birds which is yeah, weird because i don't like it <laughs> um you don't like it i'm not a big fan of the birds oh i really liked it this time oh no okay l- let me say i i upped my rating on letterbox okay. from three to three and a half so, but i think I've, I've reached the ceiling of how much three i appreciate and a, three and a half john is a liked it yeah but if you see my letterbox i skews very high three and a half might as well be the oh, bottom of see, the barrel i i skew low on letterbox like i not a lot of movies crack my three and i'm lying because a lot of them crack my three but like i feel like three is my this was okay and then three and a half is like good not great and then four plus is like great <laughs> that's the rating scale Got that's it. my scale <laughs> Yeah, so I really enjoyed the birds. I'm never down to watch it because, like, meh, birds uh, <laughs> as a species. Like, I, I, I'm i okay to see them, but I, I don't really think they're scary. I'm more of a bat. Like, bat is my preferred flying creature. I want cat with wings, preferably. Cat with wings. That's a bat. Or fox with wings, I guess. I would probably describe bats as rats with wings. But I'm also the kind of person who thinks rats are cute. So I like rats. Yeah, rats are cool. Rats, mice, they look um, great. Nice. But bats are not rats with wings. Bats are cats with wings. Cat okay. dogs with wings. Foxes with wings. Okay. 
birds are just birds. I don't know. You don't like all them hollow bones? I think they're. I think they're. I think that's really fucking weird. I think that's really fucking weird. <laughs> it sounds like you're more. Um, you're and their more... eyes don't have souls. I guess that's spooky. But like, yeah. How do you? How are you supposed to emote? I don't. I don't think you're evil. I just don't think you're thinking. Okay, I'm gonna try and keep this real short. Like, yeah, I get it. The birds are about you know mom. And, you know, this other bird has, like, invaded her nest and is going to take her chick away. Like, it's a mama bird, baby bird situation. And whatever. Like, I don't... And a school teacher bird. Well, she was also, like, in love with Rod Taylor for a minute. But, like, she couldn't Rod get... Taylor! Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Who I found out was only 33 uh, at the filming of this movie, despite looking 57 playing 33. I honestly thought him and his mom were the same age. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. No! There's 29 years difference between the two of them, or 21 years. Like, everybody's age-appropriate in this movie, despite having, like, that 60s look of, you're way aged out of this character, but we're still gonna let you play it. With all the smoking and drinking, that's what ages you real quick in the 60s, right? <laughs> and suits, I mean. I, uh, yeah, I guess that's You put true. a 12-year-old in a suit and he belongs on Wall Street. <laughs> I just don't, I just don't love that movie like i like some things about it i like some of the sequences i think i think you know what it does really well it does really well but um overall it doesn't really do anything for me see i really enjoyed it i just i think i just have an aversion to getting over the like okay so the the main antagonist in this movie is a flock of birds Hmm. who are never explained but just go with it. Oh, also fire. B- birds can harness fire in this movie. There's a lot of fire. And, you know, they uh, they, they end on a, oh, we're never going to be able to explain it. It's just some weird thing that nature does, which I got to tell you is a theme that we're going to revisit on this podcast again very soon. Very, 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 very soon. Very, very, very soon. So soon. Which is exactly why I wanted to watch The Birds, because I think it pairs well, question mark, with a movie that we're going to be talking about in two weeks. But um, the biggest thing for me about the end of the movie is that it just, it doesn't make any sense. Like, is it the end of the world? I don't know. Like, I don't necessarily need those answers. I don't really need to know why the birds did it. I think it's perfectly understandable. There's so many of them. They hate us. We're mean to them. <laughs> like, it, 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 the math checks out. Why did they let them leave with two birds in a cage? Yeah, they should have been so pissed at that. Yeah, because I guess that's that's maybe also what really seals the deal on it being like a lovebird situation and how like mom doesn't like her because it's a, it's some other bird who's going to take her little bird away. Not for me. Sorry, <laughs> Sorry, Hitchcock. But some quick housekeeping before we send you into monster versus monster versus monster versus monster. Yay. We recently updated our Nightmare on Film Street clubhouse, our exclusive space. We were previously on Patreon. We will still be on Patreon until January if you are currently a patron. But we are migrating over to Buy Me a Coffee. It is a fun new platform where we can still have our exclusive membership and a donation option. But it allows us to retain more of your donations, a higher percentage of your donations. Previously on Patreon, we were we were getting 75 to 80% of donations. And on Buy Me a Coffee, we could get as much as 95% of your donations without the taxes and the fees and the exchange. And it's going to allow us to bring our contributor team into the fold. So the Nightmare on Film Street contributor team are now directly benefiting from Fiend Club membership, which is super exciting. And we have a ton of fun stuff planned. We have a live stream later this month, November 29th. We're going to be watching some 
monstertastic films and john's got a fun pre-show planned yeah that's that's honestly been like one of my favorite things to do during quarantine is just make my own pre-show as though we're at the alamo draft house or just like a regular movie theater watching like i am literally picking movie trailers that are and commercials that are in line with the year of the release of a movie like we watched we watched a movie from 2008 recently, and I had I had Fruitopia commercials and Five Alive commercials and Mazda commercials and from weird 2008. Flip phone. It was weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's like teaser trailers for Hancock and Saw Five, and ooh, it was a time portal that brought us back. <laughs> we also set up a Discord community that is open to the public. NofsPodcast.com/slash/discord. You can join, chat with us. There's a bunch of fun memes going on. We started making some emojis. It's getting really cool. And if you join the fiend club there is an exclusive top secret layer that is only for fiend club members so that's at nofspodcast.com slash fiend club and nofspodcast.com slash discord lastly before we go i just want to give a quick shout out to some of our most recent supporters i know we're a little overdue in this i'm so sorry halloween was a crazy time of year as it always is uh, but i want to give a big thanks to michaela michael troy brian heather kelly janice Adam, Zachary, Inga, David, Cam, and Zane. Thank you so much for your support. This show would be a nightmare without you. Are you ready to talk monsters? I'm ready to fucking talk. I'm always ready to talk about monsters. Let's fucking get into it. Let's talk about Freddy vs. The, honestly, biggest monster mash that anybody has ever been looking forward to since Abbott and Costello stumbled upon a bunch of universal classic monsters. We're talking about Freddy vs. Jason. From 2003, Freddy vs. Jason is currently sitting at a 5.7 out of 10 on IMDb, 41% on Rotten Tomatoes, 37% from Metacritic, because I don't, I highly doubt Roger Ebert reviewed this one, and 2.6 out of 5 on Letterboxd. P.S. It also had a budget of $30 million, and wow. box office, you want to take a stab? I mean, I want to say like $300 million, but I know that's not accurate, 87 116.6. Wow. Okay, so I have to... I always start these with, like, a confession, and this is no different. So I've been trying to get Freddy vs. Jason on the podcast. Both of us have been trying to get Freddy vs. Jason on the podcast for a really long time. And we've been trying to find a way to fit it with our versus format. It's really hard when you do double features, and one of the films is just this weird, off-the-wall, meta one-shoot... And I don't know if it's even the minority anymore, but John and I do both like Freddy vs. Jason. Oh, yeah. And I gotta say, John, watching it critically kind of wrecked it for me. I hear you. You know, 
I, I I'm not feeling very good going into this. It hurts. Yeah. So because like, what have we done? On, this this is you. You ruined it. What did we do? I went to Letterboxd just to throw it in my diary. Like, hey, I watched this. Wasn't going to put a rating on it because I didn't want you to know like how I was feeling. It's true. All of my letterboxing is done through your profile, so I don't define my own movies. But, <laughs> but watch? when you hit that plus button, because you're like, I, I, there's an action that I want to do with this movie. It shows you what you last previously <gasps> rated it. I gave it a four and a half. Oh, my God. <laughs> The last time I watched this, I thought nearly perfect. (laughs) (laughs) I remember, like, getting really excited for, like, character introductions and character reveals, and then they had happened, and be like, that, that was the, oh. Yeah, like, especially stuff that you were, like, super excited about the last time you watched it, and like, yeah, let's, I mean, there there are still some fist-pumpy moments in this movie. I don't think it's nearly as bad as everybody says it is, but it's not a good movie oh john like <laughs> i is it fun i want to erase <laughs> that last watch that i had because i was like okay kim you gotta think of things to say about this movie that you like and then i think the problem is, is it's this time capsule of like early 2000s horror oh boy is it oh I just, boy <laughs> oh i just love it so much and and i'm also like riding on this high we also recently watched the dark castle remake of house on haunted hill Woo! which is i mean if you can if you can set yourself up to have a dark castle week you will be living on that early 2000s high through the whole week eating your breakfast cereal you'll be like yeah and when the doctor walks through the cctv camera like yeah. it's just oh they're, they're what a time Yeah, no, the early 2000s was such a special time for horror movies. So special. So special, which is not at all the, like, polite but insulting compliment you give things that are no good. Why do we like 2000s horror? I don't know. Because I do. Like, oh boy, do I. I also do. You know, it's it's just got to be that, like, this is where, like, we really started going to the movies as teenagers. Yeah, I feel like our relationship with... I'm going to say Y2K horror, like those, like 1998 yeah. to 2004 gems, is the equivalent to the generation above us with relationship with the 80s. It, those were these 11 and 12 year old films that you discover maybe because an older sibling was watching them or had them in the house. And that's kind of your first introduction to the genre. And so, like, those 2000s horrors were coming out when I was first starting to go to the movie theater. They're extra beloved because they're, like, my entry point. But I can see that they're objectively not good. But, like, even now, like, I'm just smiling saying that because it's just like, oh, well. (laughs) Yeah, I don't care. Whatever. Do you know how many movies, like, I'd say the majority of the movies that I give four stars on Letterboxd are movies that are not objectively good (laughs) but like hey guess what it's my personal profile and oh who would have thought that all of these ratings i've been giving movies is purely subjective oh boy but going through the motions of this movie it's a it's a hard movie to watch with like a a reviewing eye (laughs) okay so credit where credit is due this was a hard movie to write and that's not only evidenced by the fact that you have two huge horror franchises coming together but also how many attempts there were over the years to get them together to get them in the same movie and even when they had the green light this project went through so many different iterations and i have to commend them for what they finally settled on because 
I love how Freddie uses Jason. Oh, yeah. Love it. I think it's so good. It's true to both of their characters and their motivations and their personalities. And it creates the perfect drama arc in the film in that nobody remembers Freddie and he needs fear to exist. Yep. And if nobody fears him, then he can't murder children, his favorite thing of all time. (laughs) So he wakes up this iconic slasher to start slicing up some teens in in Springwood again. Because if he never truly dies, isn't he really kind of in some ways just asleep between his rampages? Right? That's not my idea. It's in the movie. Like, <laughs> I don't know why we're giving this space for approval. Um, but then also, Jason is this unstoppable force. So, like, why would he let Freddy kill in his new zone? <laughs> I don't. I don't honestly think Fred Jason gives Freddy any thought. No, but the, because he's just this force. So, like, it's just like once you've unleashed him, it's like buying a cat to chase a mouse, and then now you have to ch- you have to catch the cat. Yeah. Mouse hunt rules, and the cat's also evil and feral. <laughs> and, like, not to... It's not like Jason's a dumb character, but he's just kind of like a beast of a man, right? He's not gonna know... Like, I, I, I love the idea that he doesn't know the difference between his dreams and the real world. So when he sees his mother, when he sees Freddy as his mother, he thinks it's his mom. Oh, the, the sheer audacity of Freddy to be... Pamela yeah. is so good. And I love that they revisit it and we get all out Pamela like loveliness. And Pamela as Freddie or Freddie as Pamela is the most wonderful Pamela. It is everything I've ever wanted in sequel eight Pamela. <laughs> yeah. She's got so many eyebrows in that she movie. She gets so mad at him. And it's just such a great setup too because uh, Jason's dead. He He's coming off of hell. He's, he's dreaming about killing kids he, at camp. Yeah, he's just non-discriminately just slashing teens by the lake, like his favorite thing. He's so happy. And then mom gives him an objective. Yeah. And so he saunters the seven hours to Springwood, Ohio. Oh, it's gotta be more than that. I go- So I Googled it last night. Spring- oh, thank God, um, because... Springwood, Ohio isn't a real place. No. So I, I chose a nice place nestled in the middle of Ohio. Sure. And... Camp Crystal Lake is in some county in New Jersey. I can't remember now, but I did Google it and I did use Google Maps. Uh-huh. It's anywhere from six to eight hours Driving. straight drive. Okay. Yeah. Which still does not pan out properly at the end of the movie, but fine. And for okay Jason Voorhees to walk all the way over there, like... That's a lot. How do you not get detected? He is like a stinky swamp man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I So my my thing watching the movie this time was trying to figure out like what people don't like. Like, and I, you know, to be perfectly honest, there was plenty that I found I didn't like too. But I think part of what people don't like is not, and like, this comes up all the time. Doesn't matter what movie it is. And this is something that we have no problem with in Jason X, uh, something that I personally have no problem with in Jason Takes Manhattan. I don't care if he's at Crystal Lake or not. It's nice. It's great. It, oh man, is it nice to watch him like slaying up a camp? Especially in the summer, but like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. That cornfield rocks! I think setting up to um, using the, the two franchises as your jumping off point, the Friday 13th franchise sets up that Jason has doesn't have that loyalty, whereas Freddy is always in Elm Street. He yeah. is tied to Elm Street. He's tied to those kids. He's tied to that past, that history. He is like a revenge murderer, whereas Jason is kind of revenge, but really just in general... 
eh, this is just who I am. <laughs> yeah, it's like getting between a bear and her cub, but the cub is more dangerous. <laughs> but the cub is also a rotten bear. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, uh, I was going to say the Springwood Slasher, but yeah, Freddy is is definitely more of a serial killer. He's got his stomping grounds. And like, yeah, he's he's got people he hates. <laughs> yeah, if we were to come down to it, this is a Nightmare on Elm Street movie featuring Jason. Agreed. This... You could you would never describe it the other way around. Yeah, because Freddy is use he's trying to get the new Elm Street teens. And I think that's where I start to lose this movie a little bit because now that I'm older and I'm more familiar with the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, I'm wondering where the fuck these teenagers fit in with the knowledge and awareness of the original timeline. I don't think any of them really do. But, but like, uh, Lori, our final girl, who now lives in Nancy's old house, yeah. who lives in 1428, is got this weird backstory with her dead mom and her dad working at the mental hospital. And he's got some weird, suspicious past. And, like, all the police know about Freddy. And I'm assuming dad knows about Freddy. The, the ex-boyfriend knew about Freddy. And the friend, like, there's... There is a lot of pre-established character relationships with the Freddy lore coming into this movie. There's a lot. Yeah. I'm I, so it is weird that they have so much backstory with the parents. It's like, "Oh, the parents, you can't trust them in this and we got to give us a reason why we can't trust our parents and whatnot." But like Dad killed mom is a big drop. Dad like killed mom is a big drop. That's a big weird drop. Also not true. Also not true. But, but does it really matter in the end? So I I I'm sure Freddie would prefer to only kill the children related to the parents of the people who murdered him. But also he really likes grief-stricken moms. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he sure does. I I honestly think it's just that he just wants to not die. So it does, the, the kids don't necessarily matter to him, but if no one really remembers who he is, no one necessarily talks about it, no one's dreaming anymore, is, is part of the, the thing. Anybody who does remember him doesn't dream anymore. He's got to get people to talk about him. And Jason has the ability to just show up, kill some people, disappear. No one knows where he, no one knows where he went, where he came from, or who he is. There's no way anybody in Springwood wouldn't immediately be like, I think this might be Freddy. Is this that Freddy guy? Oh, I remember hearing about that Freddy guy. And then people start talking. Freddy becomes more powerful and he's able to come back. He, he just wants to kill. Like, that's all it comes down to. It is, you know, like he's run out of all the teens on Elm Street, you know, from era one. And he's ready to, to start the reboot himself. Yeah. Where I get confused, though, is was Lori's dad and R.I.P. mom part of the original parents that burned freddy because they have a lot of like guilt surrounding them but then why freddy kills the mom and why dad's covering up is like not really clear like you feel like there's maybe some level of guilt but then it's also just are they new to this town like why is Lori just so i don't know she's i don't know she's a weird level of sad throughout this whole movie oh this this actress has one move where she just like drops a single tear halfway through a conversation and that's it like that's 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 it she looks like "Uh, what i don't know what's going on single tear and then somebody's like come on let's go dance the rave she's like okay (laughs) i don't think we should go to that we should go to that maybe (laughs) yeah it's pretty funny. Yeah, I, I don't know what any of their relation is to Freddy and like, pfft, who cares? We're like 10 movies into a franchise. <laughs> the, the previous movies to this, like they ran out of of people to kill that they literally had to bring in Heather Langenkamp as herself. 
do not knock Heather Langenkamp as herself. No, I think it's one of the best Nightmare on Elm Street movies. I think it's incredible. It's pretty good. Yeah. We've talked about it at length on this podcast before, <laughs> and I stand by it. It's a little weak. You know, the, the thing that really bugs me the most about this, especially for how much of a Nightmare on Elm Street movie it is, is that they just don't know how to use dreams in this movie at all. What do you mean? They fucking, every, all of these kids are just, it's like they're all heroin addicts and they're all nodding okay. off at the first opportunity. <laughs> Let's break into this facility. You got it. You guys go over there. I'm going to have a quick power nap. <laughs> Everybody goes to sleep. <laughs> there are power naps in the cornfield during a rave. Yeah. There are, yeah, okay. So. There's a power nap in a, in like a drugged out dude's <laughs> basement. Like everybody immediately after seeing their friends killed is sleeping. And I love the classic move of like not knowing you're in a dream until half way through the dream when shit gets weird yeah yeah, yeah. every single dream is like every that. dream it's just like you're not in a dream but you are <laughs> the moment you put your head down on a desk boom dream yes there's this one moment after a bunch of people have died and they're kind of reconvening and the, the, the cop comes with the information and they're just hanging out in that like stoner's headquarters yeah and you see Lori go and sit off from the group on the couch and you're like bitch you're asleep <laughs> yeah, what are, you, do what are you doing on the comfortable couch get to the table like the rest of them you idiot I love that scene because <laughs> it makes no fucking sense why did she fall asleep there <laughs> all of the information that those characters are relaying to each other is is contradictory to what they had previously oh, said 30 seconds ago i love it though they're like but with, with freddie and jason we just have to get them together and well you know what freddie hates fire and jason hates water what about that you're like <laughs> interesting observation is this a pitch meeting that's that's the thing like this is the writer's room <laughs> oh like at some point somebody was taking notes and they thought that that was the screenplay that like, they were working done. on got it <laughs> fucking nailed it this is so good only draft 56. Oh, <laughs> no, I do like it, though. <laughs> it's great. It's so great. I love it. It's it's a lot of fun, and it's absolute bullshit. Oh, boy. There are some great kills, though. And I got a shout out to, I don't know I don't know the character's name. It's not the boyfriend. It's like the prospective boyfriend from the, the first kills friend. Blake. Blake. And he dies on his front stoop after some Freddy Jason hijinks. But the reveal with his dad was so lovely. Oh, where's his dad? Is just sitting there with his I'm head sorry. pre-slashed. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, but but it's not like it it slowly falls off. Like, dad, are you okay? Gives him a little nudge and his like head topples off or like slides down a little bit and then falls. It just shoots off because somebody has like turned a blood cannon on. <laughs> It's great. And right before that, too, where Freddy's got, like, that big shadow that just sort of, like, stretches across the street and comes up at him and slashes at him, but he's not powerful enough yet to There's kill anybody. There's some fun callbacks to classic Freddy, and that, that wet street night thing is really good. Also, too, when... One of the kids from the mental hospital, he's in his bathroom, and there's, like, those tendons that shoot into his ankle. Woo! Like, that's a total Freddy move. Love that scene. Yeah. And, oh, the fucking brother with the cut. Oh! Yeah. I forget about it every time, but it's so good. And I really like that actor that plays the brother. Yeah, he's the bully from A Christmas Story. Right. Whatever. <laughs> that's great. Uh, <laughs> but he's great uh, with the, the slit wrist. He does a really great Freddy interpretation. Like, I know they're using Robert England's voice, but... Uh, for the eyes, and he's everything. got the he's good got like angular nose chin thing for a Freddy maneuver. 
I like that scene too, but it's another one of those, and the franchise is bad for it, where Freddy's attacking you, and you wake up in the middle of the attack, but you can't do anything about it. He's like, whoa! And he's literally just like, help me! And then Freddy still, like, slashes him. I, so and... I like that, though, because it's I like, like it, but it, Freddy's it breaks all too the rules. strong, and it's just like, oh, oh. no, you, you can't, like, once the kill is so far into it, he doesn't need your fucking REMs. Like, he's already got you. That's all right. Like, that, I mean, because that's the Tina death, right? And that's the best death ever. Yeah. Tina is totally awake at the end of that. So I like to assume that his power is so strong that you can't escape your own dream. Like, at, at some point, because, like, t- Tina's first nightmare, she gets scared and she pops out of the dream. Mm-hmm. Because that's what happens when you're in a nightmare. You get scared, you wake up. Yeah, and I mean, there there are levels of, of waking where you are still in like you are still technically asleep like they could be in this sleep paralysis almost state where like their eyes are open and they're experiencing the world but they're still dreaming Uh, that happened to me the other day where my whole back lit on fire and i was not able to wake up from it (laughs) (laughs) i like the mental asylum stuff as much as the the caterpillar is dumb (laughs) i don't mind the caterpillar you don't mind the caterpillar but you know he's dumb yeah but like he likes to do things and we should just let him <laughs> it's definitely not the weirdest thing that he likes done. to keep it fresh <laughs> he likes to keep it fresh now i will say like all of those kids sitting up with the bandages over their eyes pointing at the hypnosil or whatever it's called that's a great image i fucking love that and like how that kid gets possessed by freddy is rad he looks real cool this kid this kid as much as there isn't necessarily a physical dependency to marijuana, this kid is so addicted to weed. It's insane. Because, like, he's got to, all right, guys, got to take a break. Got to smoke a huge joint. I'm sorry. You guys continue on. I'm going to get real high right here, right now. The weirdest thing about that character is he was such a sideline extra role that it's almost like halfway through the film, they were like, oh, we killed off too many main we characters. We need another person to die. And yeah. all of a sudden he was in the van and I was like, who the fuck is this guy? Like, yeah. Why is he talking now? Who invited Freeberg? <laughs> That's his name. Freeberg. I think it's because they're using his van, but... No, because I th- it might be or his van. Or is that van, the nerd's van? I think it's one of the kids that escapes, like Will's buddy. Oh. Um, Mark? Is that his name? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. His death is great. Fucking, like, shoots Jason up with a bunch of tranquilizers. Jason's got just enough power left to chop him in half. Love it. Looks awesome. And then, you know, we get into one of, like, three Freddy vs. Jason fights, which is really all anybody's here for. And that's, I think that's, like, the real problem with the movie is what? that everybody only wants to see oh. freddy and jason the problem fight. is the people not the yeah <laughs> right because in a regular horror movie like nightmare on elm street or friday the 13th part pff, I don't know, six you know you you get plenty of jason like you only get just enough camp counselor to make jason fucking rock and like the same goes for nightmare on elm street maybe it's just that those characters are better in those movies than they are in this one but you need so much space to let both of these guys have their time in the spotlight. It's so that true that the heroes literally just like, like we were just like, fuck the teenagers for a minute. Freddie and Jason are talking. Yeah, there's literally a scene where we don't know what to do with them. They're just like, we can't go anywhere. I have to watch him die. Like they stick around like audience members to like ring the bell, like ding, ding, round two. And it's rad. It's pretty great, though. And, like, they fucking know, though, with, like, the the rock and roll music just gets turned up and it's just fucking showdown. I love it. Now, I'm never, ever gonna put that music on my Zune, on my first generation iPod. (laughs) But 
Burn it onto a disc. That early <laughs> 2000s metal, that new metal is something special. Uh, <laughs> like, it's not like, it's, it's not, I'm not buying tickets, I'm not going to the concert, but like, it, it tickles a 15-year-old button in my brain. Where it's just like, yeah, this is cool. But then half a second later, like, no, it's not. No, I loved it. And that final fight sequence when all of a sudden a weird quasi-mining housing development. Yeah, like who's <laughs> building on Camp Crystal Lake? Yeah. Like, you know what this and place Freddy's needs. like, going to use all this shit. And you're like, do it, Freddy, do it. Dump that rebar on him. It's pretty great. Oh, man, there's so much like pinball type stuff going no, on. No, it's great. Because in the first fight, the, he's literally like rocking him around the boiler room like a pinball. And like this full on pinball sound effects. He's, he's playing oh, an invisible tilt. pinball machine. Yeah, <laughs> tilt. Yeah. Later on, the cement bucket is bouncing around them like a pinball, like just like threatening to like smash into them all the time. What do you think of that first boiler room fight with the pinball stuff? Um, so Jason turns into like a, a bit of a CGI thing and it gets a little cartoony. That's what makes it cartoony? But I like it because it establishes that Freddy has the upper hand in the boiler room. Yes. That, that Jason can't beat Freddy in the nightmare land. Yeah. And so I don't know how the heroes come to this interpretation. I guess it's when <laughs> what's her name pulls his, pulls Freddy's ear out. But um, you need to get them on a more even playing field, which kind of doesn't even make sense either because, I mean, it's either Jason wins territory yeah. or Freddy wins territory. Exactly. Because, I mean, and you have to hand it to Freddy, though, because he's like this small, scrawny, skinny guy who only has knives for hands. <laughs> and when he's brought out into the real world. I mean, he does have the convenience of that construction zone. He's resourceful is what I'm hearing. He is so resourceful and he's cunning and he's quick and he's like zipping around and he is like throwing everything at him. He's got that cement thing. He's trying to push a card on him. He's throwing rebar at him. Like he is doing a pretty good job. I think in a a non-cinematic fight, Freddy would be gone within seconds. Yeah, yeah, because it's not even like they have to be at Camp Crystal Lake for Jason to have the upper hand. He just needs to bring Freddy into the real world. Yeah. And it's like, oh, guess what? Brute strength. Like, that's it. That's all I got. You don't have you don't have any magical powers. Like, there's there's nothing you can yeah, do you here. you can't conjure waterfalls. Yeah. He, spooky dead moms. He holds his own, though. Like, he really does fight. And it's, like, not even just out of sheer resourcefulness. Like, when they're on the dock, and it's literally just a fist fight now. He's doing a pretty good job it fighting back. It is a pretty back. great fight. It's, not, it's, it's good. It's pretty good. Yeah, like, you really get, like, three fights from them in this movie. And uh, I think one of my favorites is that first fight in the cabin before they're outside in the... Uh, with the fire. Yeah, with the fire everywhere. Fucking also just like Freddy's face when he realizes like, oh, we're not in the boiler room anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and like he just like smashes them through every fucking window in the room. It's pretty good. Yeah, that is it's like good. a three-part fight. There's the in the cabin, there's the construction zone, and then there's the dock. Yeah. Yeah, and the dock is great too because there's a bunch of like ironic assaults where freddy gets a hold of the machete and he is he's cutting jason with his own machete and then jason stabs freddy with the gloved arm that he's severed like yeah there are some really down and dirty attacks on that dog but then the fucking heroes have to come and insert themselves into the fight again. Could have just walked away. And I just have to say, with all of these, like, every every few months, there's, like, a question online. And you know I'm guilty for this, too, because I do it. Yeah. Where I'm like, who really won? Was it Freddy or was it Jason? And the majority of people, and this is 
the, I I do not agree with this, but the majority of people are like, Jason totally won, but those fucking teens intervened because they wanted Jason to win. Because they think that if they just leave Crystal Lake, you know, Jason's going to stay there. He's not going to follow them, which is probably true. That's a reasonable assumption. Yeah. So they're definitely Team Jason. Freddy teams. is the more immediate problem. And they are just giving Jason all of these extra passes. Like blowing up propane tanks and lighting the dock on fire and distracting Freddy with their enticing teeniness. So you don't, you don't think Jason won? I think it was a draw. I think it's a draw too. And like, that's, that's the thing. Leaning like, on to Freddy because he winks. And anybody who can have humor at the end of that scenario is the real winner. Well, it's not even that he, he has humor. It's that we're in the dream world. How else could he wink? Mm. The movie ends in the dream world. Freddy knows we're Jason, in the simulation of the... <laughs> yeah. That's, oh boy, Freddy and Wes Craven way ahead of the simulation theory, right? No, like, the idea is just that, like, Jason goes back to sleep, I guess, right? And, like, Freddy still lives. He's not very powerful anymore, but he exists, and we end in one of Jason's dreams again. I mean, to be fair, all of the teens back at Springwood are still going to be scared of Freddy at the end of this. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, congrats. Like, there's nothing you can really do. Because we didn't even talk about that cornfield that fucking cornfield okay one where he's on fire and shit jason is a shining starlet in that sequence he gets to fucking show up in the middle of a party and just kill whomever he can reach yeah on fire the oh, whole time it is lovely it's it pretty is great so lovely. he only gets put out because he accidentally chops into uh, a keg <laughs> And that's what puts the fire out, which is pretty rad. I love that. He kills so many people. Oh, just... But, but the other thing is people see him do it, so and no one's going to think it's Freddy. Right? True. But I mean... Freddy's pretty petty. <laughs> and the thing, too, is I guess... Because this universe exists in a world where everybody's aware of the Camp Crystal Lake murders. Because the second something happens that's not Freddy-like, they're like, oh, this is a copycat of the Jason Voorhees murders. And the teens know it, and the cops know it, and it's just like, oh, wow, you guys you guys really know about Camp Crystal Lake. It's, it's like a serial killer. It'd be like, not, I, I don't know. Yeah, like the cop is able to do a lot of research on... The fucking cop shows up and says like, hey, so uh, there's this killer at New Jersey who keeps coming back from the grave. Like, <laughs> that is not something that would be in a police report. No right? police officer is saying, yeah, this guy kept coming back alive. But you think about it. If if Jason Voorhees is so notorious in this universe, like he should just be fucking waking up Bloody Mary or some shit. Like, scaring kids in mirrors. He doesn't need Jason Voorhees. He just needs kids scared again. Yeah, but I know, but I, I personally want to see him wake up Freddy, or wake up Jason, yeah. <laughs> no, it's great, though. I want to see those two guys it's fight. It's justified, and I totally love it. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's a bad movie. It's a lot of fun. Uh, also, too, I just want to shout out to the Freddy look in this movie. I love how Freddy looks in this movie. The contacts are on point. The teeth are fucking on point. All of his close-ups are great. I'm just really enjoying the slightly rubbery, but scar-tissued freddy krueger yeah no it looks good i like it i really like it most of the stills that i pull for any freddy reference come from this movie well it One, helps because it's like the most HD. recent yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah I, I think he looks great i was really a little disappointed this time around because i wanted to pay attention to the score more 
because it never it never occurred to me that you have two iconic scores, two iconic franchises filled with scores, and like now you get it's got to be a dream job for somebody unless they hate these movies. And I'm sure it was a fucking pain in the ass of trying to blend the two of them together. And like all, unfortunately, there's a lot of new metal that comes over all the all the fight sequences and all the the action set pieces, but for the most part, you kind of just have like that standard Nightmare on Elm Street sting. And then the chichikakaka underneath it, right? And the, and that that's kind of about it. Other than that, it's just kind of like its own sort of early two thousands. <laughs> I can see why people don't like this movie. You know, it breaks a lot of rules. It's kind of stupid. It's all over the place, but I like it. I think yeah, it's fun. I, I really like it, and I think it's got the best of both worlds. Like you get the supernatural slasher and the traditional knife held high, cutting teens in half slasher, and um. It found a way to like really impossibly merge the two, which I think deserves way more credit. I think I agree. Yeah, I think bringing the two together was not an easy task, and to like have an actual cohesive story throughout, despite what my feelings are about the final girl and her family's relationship. Yeah. Um, also, her name's definitely Lori to try and yes, tie in and Halloween. It's, right? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just so frustrating because it's just like she she doesn't earn the Lori. Um, no, she doesn't. They, they, none of them do anything in this movie, really. Oh, also, one last final thing that I want to bring up is that they tranquilize her to go into the dream world where Freddy is. She lays down beside Jason and goes into Jason's dreams. So the movie is implying that the dreamscape, like you can enter somebody else's dreams based on proximity. Is that true? Because I think she's just, because she's afraid of Freddy, she just like, fast travels to wherever freddy is in the dreamland and freddy's preoccupied with jason at this point you think oh you think that's what it is yeah like i think freddy so is freddy the just conductor sucked her over to there because yeah. he was busy over over tormenting this he's, little boy he is the sandman like he is the maestro of the dreamland yeah okay that makes a little that's more sense theory. to me wouldn't that be great if we just started calling freddy the sandman i feel like we should i feel like we need to start that okay right Okay, Kim, so uh, real quick before we move on, what is your rating of Sandman versus Jason? <laughs> oh, fuck. It's, uh, it's so hard. I'm going to give Freddy versus Jason a three out of four. I'm also giving it a three out of four because it's, it's fun garbage. <laughs> yeah, and the crazy thing is if you had asked me before, literally yesterday at 7 p.m., I would have said like four out of four without even thinking. Yeah, because it's, it's always just been a fun movie that we constantly watch knowing that nobody likes it except us. Yeah, so like, pro tip, do not watch this film critically. Just watch it for fucking fun. Like, do not watch it before 8 p.m. <laughs> Ever. I also think it's partly a, f a fun movie to watch out of context. Like, to watch without binging any of the other ones. And also, maybe this is something I should have brought up at the beginning, but I'm pretty sure I watched Freddy vs. Jason before I had seen all of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies and all of the Friday the 13th movies. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I would say that this is not, I wouldn't say it's my introduction to the two different franchises, but I definitely knew more, I guess, like from schoolyard talk about the serial killers than yeah. I did from seeing the films. Yeah, so like this is, this is largely like a movie about two icons, not necessarily two franchises coming together. Yeah. And I think that's the best way to look at it. It's just... It's hard to try and forget all the movies you've seen and love as an adult, but like as a 
13, 14 year old kid where like everybody knows Freddy, everybody knows Jason. Maybe you've seen some scenes, maybe you've seen one or two movies, but to see them come together, um, just knowing how big they are in the landscape of filmmaking is was really cool. And I think I've never enjoyed it more than when I've completely tried to forget about all of the other movies. Unfortunately, I have this amazing box set from Scream Factory right now that I've just been, like, working through. So it's been strange to watch this one uh, in the middle of some of the, like, my, my personal favorites. But, yeah, I think, on, it's, kids. I think it's great. Let's get the burn guy to, want to smack the lake guy. <laughs> Three out of four from both of us, but moving on, we're going to talk about a different monster mash. Two other fucking titans of mayhem. 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 We're talking about AVP, Alien versus Predator. Seven days ago, one of my satellites over Antarctica discovered a pyramid. Where exactly on the ice is this? It's not on the ice. It's 2,000 feet under it. Let's make history. Oh, my God. Whoever built this pyramid believed in ritual sacrifice. Did you hear that? Did you say this room is called? Sacrificial chamber. This door is all here. This whole thing was a trap. They're not hunting us. We're in the middle of a war. They're using us as bait. Alien vs. Predator is currently sitting at a 5.6 out of 10 on IMDb. 21% on Rotten Tomatoes, 29% on Metacritic, and 2.4 out of 5 on Letterboxd. Less than Freddy vs. Jason, in some cases by a small amount, in some cases by lots. Yeah. Uh, box office, uh, more or, sorry, budget, more or less than Freddy vs. Jason. More. It is, and only a year later... 60 million dollars twice as much those tails take a lot of money well there's that yeah i mean it's also like a big intricate set piece oh huge right box office more or less than freddy vs jason Ooh, more 177.4 yep this this movie made money um so first time watch for me (laughs) yeah i had never seen it Uh, (laughs) it was fun to watch with you because you had no idea how these two creatures were going to be in one story together (laughs) i I literally remember 15 minutes in being like so where are the aliens and the predators yeah because for the most part it's like there's this pyramid underground yeah okay so full 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 disclosure i do not think i've seen a, a predator movie from beginning to end probably not 
the most of which I have seen of a, a Predator movie is walking in to the basement or whatever when my dad was watching it on TV <laughs> and being like, the men oh, men in woods <laughs> and getting the fuck out of there. Dad, Dads love Predator. Dads are very pro-Predator. <laughs> yeah, which is crazy because Alien's way better franchise. Like 100%. And Alien, I'm pretty familiar with. I don't know if I've seen them all, but I... I love the first one. I'm not huge on the second and third like a That's lot of people The second are. one's a boy movie. Yeah, people are like, woo, Aliens, so good. And I'm just like, really? Um, I'm, I'm firm Alien Sigourney camp over here. has a cat in the first one. <laughs> she's got, a, she's got a, do- a surrogate daughter in the second one. Yeah, but the cat. I like the cat more. And yeah, so coming into this, all I knew was jungle monsters who are, surprise, also aliens. I didn't know that. You didn't know the Predator was an alien? No. Okay. Now I, I will. In your I defense, guess I did. In your defense, you have not seen it from beginning to end. That's fine. I thought they were like monsters or like future things. You thought it was like like Bigfoot, like Predator just exists in the jungle with all this future tech, and he's been hiding it from humans. I don't know. Like it could have been a time travel thing. Like they're walk me through this humans. some more. <laughs> they're future humans. And I don't know. Man I is also, the ultimate predator. I, <laughs> So, yeah, we start this movie and we're like in the Antarctic and I was like, wow, we're not going to find any woods here. And then also. (laughs) (laughs) But where do Predator go if he's not in woods? War Predator Bar. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so then I was starting to think like, ooh, this is going to be like the thing in that we are going to unbury the aliens and or the predators. Which we do. And find out they're humans. Yeah, we shoot a laser. The predators shoot a laser beam down into the tunnel. The humans are explorers who are from the, <laughs> the Wayland Corporation, which is like the only thing that really ties this, other than the aliens themselves, the only thing that ties this to the alien franchise. Like that's that's the corporation oh, okay. at the heart of all of the alien movies. Okay. Um, it also looks like it's the first like the beginning stages of that corporation because lance henriksen is playing wayland and he's sort of in his dying days also kind of weird to bring lance henriksen back he's the robot from aliens there's even okay what? this this went so far over your head there's like a co- I, I, mm? there's a quick little moment where i like leo pointed the tv like hey and you and you shot a look over at me like oh don't worry about it it's nothing because in aliens there's a scene with bill paxton where he's doing that knife thing guys used to do where you like you try and move the knife between your fingers super fast i know that scene you know that scene I perfect do. so yeah and then like lance henriksen is the robot and he goes crazy super fast so fast there's a quick moment in this movie where lance henriksen as wayland is sitting in front of a laptop and he's doing that with a pen for like a half a second and it's like why like little nod for those that know does that mean that like they made a android in the future like it based off of the look of their owner they did that's what it means you really think that's what it means i do okay i do really believe that Man, it's crazy to think that Prometheus comes after this movie. So I have the theory that this movie null and voids any of that Prometheus stuff. Well, the Prometheus movies came after, and I'm sure Ridley Scott has never watched these movies. Null and void. Because in my belief at the end of this movie, because we learn that these aliens, the alien You gotta aliens. call them predators. No, oh, okay, the sorry. Aliens. My mistake, my I'm mistake. Talking, I'm talking about the alien aliens, not the predator aliens. The xenomorph things, yeah. <laughs> yes, so the, no, because that's their final stage. I'm just gonna call them the aliens. Okay. They are these ancient beings that live in this temple. 
Okay. Under the earth. Already wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and humans, but then also huh? the predators are aliens yeah. who come every once in a while to like have their exactly. bar mitzvahs. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. On earth. And then they use human sacrifices to wake up these other ancient monsters for shit and gigs. <laughs> So that they can have a fight on Earth and then go back home as winners. It's a rite of passage. Yeah. So like the you but know the aliens are Earth beings, right? They just no, mm-hmm. <laughs> no. The predators brought the predators found a backwoods planet, I believe is how they described it, where they could essentially use it as a stomping ground. Think of it like traveling to camp. Okay. Like, if you're an interstellar being. So they brought the aliens? They brought the aliens. They brought the aliens there. They discovered these human things. They trained the human things to make temples that they could use for their hunt. And they brought the aliens with them to hunt. But they needed people like... Oh, that's less fun. I thought that the aliens were, like, dormant in this area. And the predator aliens were just like, (laughs) let's go play some... War games! No, they they picked them up from a planet, like you would have seen in the movie Alien, where it was, like, inhospitable, and there were too many of them, but it was, like, a, it was like a formidable foe. So this is really, like, an animal rights movie, then, because it's about, like, the alien aliens, like, they don't have cool tech, but they're obviously pretty smart, and they're just hunting them willy-nilly, those predators. Like, just because they have infrared cameras, they get to eat whoever they want. I like to think of it as a coming-of-age movie, like John Hughes, but, you know, with predators who are there to murder and slay until they are now men. (laughs) I think it's, like, Okja, and you think it is, like, Roald Dahl's The Witches. (laughs) Sure. I like to think of it like Detroit Rock City, and Kiss, the band Kiss, uh, are the xenomorphs. (laughs) (laughs) I was comparing this movie, watching it, keep in mind, this is my first time watch, Mm -hmm. to 47 Meters Down Uncaged. In that they were going to investigate that, like, underwater temple. Yep. And the sharks are actually xenomorphs. I mean, I don't see it, but sure. <laughs> I do have to admit, though, I did very much enjoy this movie. Oh, wow. I had a blast. Oh, wow. I like temples, I guess. I guess so. I, I have no idea why they moved around every ten minutes. I have no idea why there were so many languages and only that one guy could read them. Uh, I loved how many eggs there were and how many there face huggers. There were three languages. There uh, were, oh man, the face huggers in this movie was, are not fucking around. It was face hugger city. And also everything, because this movie assumes you understand alien lore, everything is on fast forward. Oh man, it goes so, like, so fast. Yeah, like we see the, the different stages of the alien pupa. Mm? <laughs> so fast. Like he goes from like child to adolescent to adult instantaneously. Super duper quick. Yeah. yeah, yeah they are on fast forward mode also like i feel bad for the queen she's was she frozen like a sea monkey like how did they revive her it was it just the humans going into the temple because she was like all i don't know crumbly and then they like plugged her in and she was like (laughs) ready my sack (laughs) i just want to watch you describe this podcast or describe this movie i loved her frosty teeth though she was cryogenically frozen oh and she then, did yeah, look like a sea monkey. Though. When they came in, like the the tech started back up. There's a power generator that came on a few days before. Like that's what the heat signature from the power generator is what got their attention to the temple that exists underground because it was getting fired up. The same way that you would like if you were on vacation, you'd tell your nest to just like, hey, I want the I want the temperature to be like this 
temperature when I get Open home. Open the windows. It smells like fart in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, like, they, they thawed out the, uh, the xenomorph mom, and she started laying eggs and shit. Oh, and they were on a little conveyor belt. I felt so bad for her. She was being so used. Like a milk cow. Yep. Yep. See the comparison there? With the... With it being an animal rights movie? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. I think this movie's boring. <laughs> no! I really liked it. And I loved... Oh, wow. I actually really enjoyed the lead girl. I... Okay. She was a little bit know-it-all-y. But like every guide in every fucking movie is like, if I'm the I gotta be the person that goes in and I call the shots. And then at some point somebody's like, you're not calling the shots no more. And you're like, you said I call the shots. I really trusted her. And then I really liked when she worked with the predator. I liked when they were friends. That is my least fucking favorite thing about all of the goddamn and Predator movies. Also, like, oh, they have to. Oh, one of them learns to respect oh, the human. Is that a thing? Not in all of okay, them. Okay, so I just assume that this was breaking all, like, Predator constructs. Like, I just assume previous Predator movies, they're just evil, human-smushing things. That's the first one. The fact that they're friends, I was just like, oh my god, this Predator, <laughs> he's going against the grain. For me. <laughs> he just respects her so much for killing that alien that right predator, in front of it. He would never have given her the time of day. He wouldn't given her a fucking thought. She is an ant to him. Now acid your face so we can be blood buddies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? So Predator 2 takes place, so Predator 1 takes place in L.A., Damn it, I said it backwards. <laughs> I fucking ruined it. Aren't they all in the woods? <laughs> no, the first one takes or place... Or the jungle, sorry. Yes, the first one takes place in the jungle, and uh, the second one takes place in downtown LA, the urban concrete jungle. Ooh. Right? And Predator's there just, like, hunting drug dealers. <laughs> and for some reason, the cops care. They're just yeah. like, oh, man, all these drug dealers and gangsters keep dying. I guess we gotta get to the bottom of this. Buddy cop movies were all the rage, so they were like, let's team up the Predator with Joe Smith, the detective. Yeah, it's Danny Glover and Bill Paxton. Those are your buddy cops. Oh. And then fucking, like, Danny Glover is, like, the only person who knows about the the Predators. He's hunting them down. Is the They're Predator both bad? F- the Predator's super bad. It's like, there's some great scenes where he just pulls people's spines out and shit. I love it. But at the end, it's like, oh, yes, you were a worthy opponent. Come on my ship and I will give you an old-timey gun. And then they, they all just, like, nod at each other and then fly off. And it's like, wow, yeah, Predator. Oh, these humans are tough after it's all. It's like the equivalent of, like, neighbors having a spat and then finally there's some mutual respect so they all share a beer in the garage. Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Like, they all found the one person that they could hate together collectively and they So the Predator movies are closer than to the terminator movies than the alien movies i mean they these are all in terms of like thing but their level of evilness throughout the franchise well i mean like they are always evil because the aliens are always bad like you're never gonna see an alien being friends with a human as much as i would love for it to happen i think it's the varying degrees where like you get into like chaotic neutral chaotic evil in unpredictable evil I whatever some of the, the other predators ones are. are lawful bad maybe or lawful yeah lawful bad because they're like hunters but they're lawful there's that weird one with adrian brody too and then the the one that came out the shane black one um 
Shit, I don't even know if I finished it. <laughs> Some people say it's the best one of the franchise, and I'm just like, ah, it's not really doing anything for me. But, like, yeah, it's like the Predator's there to hunt something. And then, like, I think at one point that it's he's got a dog. He's like a Predator dog. What? Yeah. Um, Is the Predator dog good? No. Oh. They're all kind of bad. But, like, I think somebody was telling me that one of our writers, actually, Dave, was telling me that... There's like a good predator in that movie. Man, like what a weird fucking franchise. I mean, if there are good predators in these previous films, like I might want to start going through the Predator franchise. I think I might be a Predator fan. Oof. <laughs> I really liked their friendship. Oof. <laughs> I hated it at first, but then I was like, no, I'm actually really buying into this. <laughs> I liked when he made her the knife out of the alien and then he fucking taught her he's just like the acid does not burn them but it burns everything oh and when he signaled what a bomb meant he was like boom boom. (laughs) and she's like "Mm -hmm." and like there's a lot of just like nodding at each other like Mm, but they saved each other a bunch they were such a good team and they were in a temple it was fun you do know that, like, if he had a lived, as soon as his buddies, like his dad, I would think, saw him hanging out with an uh, human, he's like, oh, no, 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 it's just no big deal. I was, I was going to totally murder her or make her my slave after we were done. Like, the scars? Pfft, good trick, right? She's totally thinks she's one of us. <laughs> I did boom and she laughed. <laughs> yeah. And, but, like, all of the predators are just like, oh, yes, you bear the scar, of course. Nod to you, and then leave you here with no jacket to die I'm while we fly away. I'm just assuming, though, that with all of that mad tech the Predators have, they saw the queen all dancing on the surface of the whaling tent, being all like, guess who is almost out? And they saw one heat signature Predator and one heat signature human high-fiving while they took <laughs> her down. And they came down there and they already knew. They just knew that she was the chosen one. All right, so you you buy it. I don't. That's fine. Whatever. The Predators have so much tech. (laughs) The Predators are all tech, but it's all the same in every movie. They have the same fucking move where it's just like, hey, guess what? I'm going to press this button with my scaly finger. These weird numbers are going to count down, and then boom. That's uh, every fucking movie. I thoroughly appreciated the sequence where they dropped the invisible noose. And they picked oh, yeah. that one guy that's up with good. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> it was pretty great. Also, the the whole thing about the the finding the guns and unlocking the gun temple or whatever. Maybe it's because also mentioned this in the last segment. I watched the remake of House on Haunted Hill recently. Oh man, that was such a great comparison when you said it. I was like, "Fuck, <laughs> this is like House on Haunted like, Hill." Everybody, pick up your party favorite guns. <laughs> Man, that was great. They kill all your favorite people in this movie and way too quick, right? Everybody dies. It's insane. Like, they kill, they kill uh, Ewan Bremner and Tommy Flanagan, like, off screen. The two most interesting people in this movie. At least they got face-hugged. Yeah. Oh, man, it's such a bummer because, like, you think, you think, uh, you think Ewan Bremner, the, the Scottish guy, gets, who's got, like, a camera that he's taking photos for his kids. As soon as you see a character in a movie, he's like, oh, I'm just taking all these photos for my kids. Like, like oh. wow. Your kids are going to be real sad when you die. (laughs) And uh, I mean, thanks to him, we did have that nice little penguin jump scare, which I preach. Sure. But uh, yeah, you knew he was not going to make it. But he, you think he's dead. You think he's been attacked by a xenomorph. And then we cut to, he's still alive. He's been gooed up against the wall and they're about to face hug him. And, uh, and then, you know, he defends himself pretty, pretty well. It's a good tension build moment. 
he shoots a fucking face hugger it's like it's nobody's business and then oh there's like Thousands 30 of, yeah. more i would have loved to have seen those face huggers fighting to see who could fa- hug his face yeah he oh that that would actually be great i yeah because are we've seen aliens fight over prey before because like there's like a territorial thing with them and they're mostly just more hunters than they are anything else are the are the face huggers the same would they fight over a mouth hole? <laughs> That's a great question. I have no idea. It's weird that they jump out of the eggs in this. I love that you have to look over it and then and then they jump on your face because it's, it's a curiosity element because there's like your transgression. Like, okay, there's a there's a beacon somewhere and you got to go investigate the beacon because you're, that's just a, a thing you're supposed to do. Either it's like a distress signal or it's a oldest temple in the world. Like, who's not going to go look at that? But... Weird, freaky, gooey, goopy egg. Not a good sign. Yeah. Opens up. Not a good sign. You look over it. That's your fault. That's actually such a great, like, you literally just hit the nail on the head with something really wonderful there in that the direct counter to space exploration or the immediate driving force to humans and space exploration is curiosity. Oh, yeah. And so, like, that in itself is the transgression. Like, humans don't belong in space. Sure fucking don't. And uh, for us to discover aliens and then solidify that curiosity again and it being our comeuppance, like, that's pretty damn good. Pretty now good. I have to revisit the aliens franchise. Oh, man. The, the facehuggers in this movie are pretty great, though, because they do not shy away from showing you the, like, that little... That little weird little fucking, like, this is the part that's going down your throat as soon as I get my goddamn teeth around yeah, your face. Yeah, like, they, they're really eager to open up that mouth, but Yo, whatever it yeah. is. Let me drop this seed inside your stomach, you sick fuck. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, I, I do like when they jump out and they go slow-mo and, like, you get a good little view of the facehuggers and stuff. But... There were some good slow-mo facehuggers. Uh... But it's another one of those, like, yeah, it's a garbage movie, but I like it. <laughs> <laughs> like really gratuitous with the alien inside the alien's mouth like the low oh yeah the little alien tongue thing i love him so much <laughs> he's pretty great i think this movie does a pretty good job of sort of juggling predator action alien action you get a lot of both same same with freddy vs. jason maybe you don't get enough of it in freddy vs. jason but i think those characters are those characters have more personality, like whereas like the predators and the aliens are kind of faceless. Like we know what they look like and all, but they are not specific characters, so you kind of see They're them not as, like, individualized. Yeah, like they come as a pack. They're more of a design than anything else, right? So but like they, they, they look great when they're fighting and shit. Love all of that. There's way, way, way too many scenes of either a predator fighting an alien, a human fighting an alien, where you just get faked out. Like, they literally end the scene with, and this person won. And then when you come back five, ten minutes later, you're like, ah, reversal, you thought they won, but in fact, or you thought they died, but in fact, they're alive. There's lots of that. Yeah, and I think th- I think that has to do with the fact that we're in that that moving around changing temple because it justifies us jumping from character to character because they get split up kind of uselessly pretty quickly once they're in the temple and um, they die pretty quickly. Like, the first group that's separated are stuck in the sacrifice chamber and yeah. they, get, they get, like, face-hugged and they're gone and we don't even see it. Like, we come back and they're all dead. Yeah, yeah, we come back in just enough time to see one burst out of her fucking chest. Yeah, and she was setting up, like, she had a little bit of a personality. Like, I was expecting her to be there a little She longer. had smarts, yeah. Yeah. You, I think, honestly, like, I think that's what it really comes down to is, like, you're just, like, 
like a national treasure tomb raider girl yeah like you really want people on an archaeological dig i just well i guess the mummy also yeah that's true and the thing sort of sure <laughs> i either want it to be filled with scarab beetles or lots of snow like those are the two <laughs> things that i need yep <laughs> pretty much but yeah this movie uh this movie doesn't do a lot for me it's fun but it's another one of those like when i'm watching it objectively garbage i also liked seeing the the aliens kind of get to be like shadow monsters we always talk about how alien is like a haunted house movie and that the ship is haunted by this alien and you really get to see kind of how the aliens hide and hunt and their move especially when they are facing a direct predator Mm. to say the predator um but they still have that kind of like hiding in the shadows and popping out of nowhere thing and seeing their tail like lick out of the darkness oh man and around those like statues and stuff like there's something so wonderful about seeing them skulk around like an archaeological site we gotta get you to watch aliens again that's what it comes down to like yeah now apparently you gotta watch all the predator movies and the aliens (laughs) aliens though has all that like it's just like dudes in tunnels it's not all dudes there's there's plenty of women in that movie also like even just like on the like obviously sigourney weaver that little newt girl but like even on like the military team she's probably like the baddest one of all of them too bill paxton's fun but it's just like dudes in a tunnel with guns, right? But <laughs> but it's it's really dark. It's all in shadows, and you get lots of cool fucking tail action. I'll give you that. And it's weird because like that is I think the movie that that AVP is mostly riffing on, mm. and I don't think it does it very well. But and I think that's why you have this like tight tunnel situation uh, in the tombs and why things change around. And it's it's essentially recreating those moments in Aliens where we're skulking around like the empty base trying to, to to figure out a way to to evade the aliens and it just i don't know it just doesn't do it for me yeah i just thought it was a way to just separate the heroes and to divide them up more easily so that like because once you're in a room with an alien like there's no surviving it unless you can get out while a door is closing and the alien can't get out you know the fucking alien like i think about this every single time we watch an alien movie it is such a fucking kick in the teeth that its blood is acid <laughs> like you can't even fight it like fuck <laughs> they really stack the deck of course the predators teach us you can cut its head off and not get any of that acid blood i did like that head slice though. <laughs> i i really want to like i know they're not real but i really want to touch an alien the one thing i definitely do not want to touch is one of those alien eggs fuck did that okay not gross. the egg but like oh. the head of a xenomorph they look like they would feel like a beluga whale sure you know like that rubbery mammal feeling did you ever touch a whale um there's a thing around here i mean it's i do not condone it now Uh, don't do it sea world type stuff but marine land we had um and you got to touch whales i hugged an alligator once that's not the same he was kind of like still pretty cool that's like touching a predator i guess so you've you've touched a predator and i've touched a xenomorph it was a baby alligator like it was like the size of me at the time like i was like 12 pretty cute it was great that's pretty cute he had a little elastic band on his mouth so he couldn't bite have you ever touched a dolphin no well, they've got this like rubbery, like it's not, it's, it's if rubber was a, was a renewable resource. <laughs> That's what I assume a xenomorph feels like. All right. And they're so shiny. They are pretty shiny. They're pretty slick. Yeah. Like, I don't think they're wet though. I mean, unless they're drooling, but like, I don't think the top of their head. I was going to say, what are you talking about? They got a lot of wet. <laughs> they got a lot of wet. <laughs> and then that's the other thing. We should get you to watch Alien Resurrection. One, uh, directed by Jean-Pierre 
Juan? Oh, I can't remember the guy's name. He's the guy that directed, um, like, Delicatessen and Amelie and Micmax. So you like you like his style. He directed an alien movie. Um, and there's it's not a, a prequel though, right? Because I've seen no. all, uh, for some reason I've seen all the prequels and I didn't. I don't really enjoy them. It's Alien Four, technically. It's got okay. Sigourney Weaver in it. Winona Ryder's in it. Um, Brad Dorif's in it. That French guy that's in all of Jean Pierre whatever's movies is in it. And I know what you're talking about. There's an yeah. underwater sequence in space. Hmm. It's kind of rad. Oh, is that the one where she gets in the cool robot thing? That's Aliens. Oh. I mean, they might also be in that too, but yeah. Like to fight the queen, I must be the bigger robot. Yeah, I know that's that's aliens for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was pleasantly surprised. I really enjoyed this. I'm glad you liked it. I was not looking forward to this, but I figured, like, you know, to get Freddy versus Jason on the podcast, we got to do another versus. And... I think it was a good pairing. I liked it. I thoroughly enjoyed this quadruple crossover. Yeah, cool. That's the thing because it is, an, you know, outside of just. Uh, taking two monsters and putting them against each other. It's two franchises that are going against each other. I think it was it was it was a weird double bill. It really did feel like you were watching a lot of movies. It did feel like we watched a lot of movies. Yeah. <laughs> it might also just be because I can't stop bringing up other alien and other predator movies. <laughs> it's mostly my fault, I think. But yeah, I mean, I can I can see why this was like super duper right up your alley. Like I think it's fun. I don't think it's good. I think I'm going to give it a 2.5 out of 4. I think I was 2 out of 4 a minute ago, but let's be real. Like, just because I don't like it doesn't mean I didn't have fun watching it. Uh, I, you know, I'd like to revisit this after I get a little bit of, like, a better handle on the franchise. But right now, I'm sitting at a 3 out of 4. I really had fun. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. I was surprisingly, in, I really enjoyed myself. I'm glad to hear that. I don't think you're going to feel the same way about a bunch of the Predator movies. But, like, I'm willing to... Ooh, I guess I could sit through them with you. I just want to watch all the ones where the Predators are friends. (laughs) (laughs) But you got to sit through like the whole movie to get that at the end. Kind of, we can watch, we can watch Predator 2018. I I can handle earned friends. I can handle earned. But that's just our opinion. Let us know what you thought of Freddy versus Jason and Alien versus Predator. Who do you think is the, the big winner at the end of both of those movies? Continue the conversation with us over on Twitter at NOFS Podcast, on Instagram at Nightmare on Film Street. Uh, of course, there is the Nightmare on Film Street subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash Nightmare on Film Street and the Horror Movie Fiend Club at facebook.com slash groups slash horror fiends of NOFS. If you like Nightmare on Film Street and you want to support the show, head to nofspodcast.com slash fiend club to find out all of our membership perks and ways that you can support us. All of your donations go back to support everything that we do here at Nightmare on Film Street, including the editorial team. One third of your donations go towards supporting 30 independent horror creators, part of the ever-growing Nightmare on Film Street team. You know, some of them are also podcasters, some of them are aspiring filmmakers, novelists, and, you know, every bit of your support helps them in creating their own passion projects also. So head over to nofspodcast.com slash fiendclub to make a one-time donation or become a monthly supporter and enjoy regular live streams and bonus episodes from us. And if you want to support the show real quick, all you got to do is hit subscribe wherever you're listening to this and leave us a quick five-star rating and review. It really helps us on the podcast charts and looking like a legit podcast. (laughs) We need that. (laughs) We do need that. But until next time, I'm Kim. I'm John. Stay Stay creepy. creepy. It appears you made it out alive. 
but we'll get you next time. Help us to grow the horde. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. More terror can be found lurking on our website at nofspodcast.com. And while you're at it, check out all of the other spine-tingling shows on the bloody, disgusting podcast network. Until next time, stay creepy, fiends. American Giant makes the durable, comfortable spring closet staples you need for work, the gym, and even happy hour. Made in America. Designed to last a lifetime. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20.